Welcome to the Not So Simple Life. Meet your hosts, Kylie Vanami and Sophie Longford. These two fashion models are talking all things wellness, beauty, fashion, and all the not so simple things in between. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Not So Simple Life. We have always promised you guys that we will keep it real here with all of you, and that is especially true in today's solo episode. Sophie and I are going to be diving into all of the downsides of life as a model. That's right. There is a lot that is unspoken about in our industry. And in this episode, we are here to remind you that there are negatives to every single career field. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking about all of the negative sides of modeling. Yep, exactly. And I want to preface this episode for all of you by saying that we do enjoy our jobs. This is an episode about the negative sides, but there's plenty of great things that come along with modeling. When people ask me what I love about my job, I always have so many things to say, but I always say it's just like any other job. There's amazing parts to it and there's parts that suck. There's ups and downs to every career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are so lucky to be able to actually work as models and experience the lifestyle associated with it and all of the incredible experiences that come along with this line of work. But like she said, most things in life, there's always a negative side. And unfortunately, in modeling, there's quite a prevalent negative side. And that's what we want to share with you guys today, because being a model is often very glamorized and young girls and guys entering into this world don't really know what they're getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. So this is just kind of to educate and guide anyone who is thinking about modeling or is just like kind of curious about it and wants to know what it's actually like being in this very unique line of work. Mm -hmm. And this is just our personal experiences. Everyone has different experiences. So what we say may not be true for everyone, but this is how it has been for us. So that's our preface. It's going to be a great episode and I'm excited to dive into this topic with Soph because we've been doing this for what, five, six years now. So we've definitely been through it a little bit. (laughs) We've been through it. And I got to say, you have to be very strong-minded and tough to survive in this industry because it will throw a lot at you. But just before we get any deeper into this topic, speaking of strong-minded individuals, (laughs) I want to shout out my grandma real quick because she just had her (laughs) first book published called Glimpses. And I can honestly say, like it was one of the most moving and mind-shifting books I've ever read. And if you are spiritual, even if you're not, it really will get you thinking because she's experienced some pretty unexplainable events in her life. And at times I could feel like all the little hairs standing up in my body and it even made me cry. And that's impressive because like, I don't cry when I read books. I have never cried at a book, but this made me cry. And I'm not just saying this because she's my grandma. I love her, but it is just a really good book. And I don't want to give any spoilers away. So if you want to go and read it, head on over to Amazon or get on your Kindle. It's available everywhere. So definitely go and check that out, guys. Shout out to grandma. Congratulations. That's so exciting. I'm so proud of her. She did so good. I wish I had an author in my family. Wow. Props to grandma. So excited. (laughs) I think we should get this episode started. Dive right in. Sophie, do you want to start us off with the whole thing around how little control we have in this industry. Oh my God. We really don't have any control at all when it comes to this industry, especially in the beginning. Like our agents are basically the middleman in how we communicate with clients. So we don't get to speak directly with clients. 
the agents handle all of it. They negotiate the rates. They decide what girls they want to put forward for jobs. So in regard, that's out of our control. There's nothing we can really do to put ourselves out there for a job. It's all up to the agent. So that's why it helps to have a good relationship with your agent, because if you don't, you are really not at the top of their priority list and they're not going to give you so much attention. Mm -hmm. I think this has been one of my biggest struggles in the industry. It was always top of my class in school. I had a job at 15 years old. I was the cheer captain. I was always such a go-getter and I was always chasing things. And in this industry as a model, you can't work harder. You can't study longer. You can't like Mm -hmm. do extra credit. You can't like stay after work and like meet more people. It's just, there's very little that you can do to control your fate and how much jobs you're working on, et cetera. And I feel like a side effect of this that's very prevalent in the modeling industry is people having an unhealthy relationship with control. So for example, because there's so little we can control when it comes to actually booking our jobs, girls become obsessive with the things we can control, like how often we work out, what types of food we're eating. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. that's like the one thing they feel like they have control over and they get a little obsessive over that. So it's very tough. You are literally putting your fate in your career and your livelihood in the hands of your agency and just hoping that they can book you on things and hoping that they're working just as hard as you would be if you could book your own job. So it's very tough. You have to literally be able to throw your hands in the air and let Jesus take the wheel, the universe, whatever it is for you. And it's been a hard thing for me, definitely. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And it's also like all the little things like your hair, how you dress, your agent has a say in all of it, especially at the beginning when you're young, they try to mold you into what they think you should be. Like, for example, when I started out when I was like 14, one of the agents from my agency I was with told me that they wanted me to go to a salon, get my hair bleached, get my eyebrows bleached, and then go to a dentist to get a gap drilled in between my teeth so that I could be the next Lara Stone. I know. I just had my braces taken off, which were not cheap. And my mom was like, there's not a hope in hell. I'm drilling a hole into my daughter's newly perfect teeth. She was like, I'm going to stand your ground. So it can be really hard to like say no to your agents when you're young. But if you have someone who has your back, like your mom or someone, then it really does help totally agree you have to keep a strong head on your shoulders and if you don't have a strong head you just have to hope that you have people around you who can help you stand your ground so important but I would like to go into the next thing which is unrealistic measurements when it comes to our bodies and body dysmorphia and all of this this is a major major problem in the modeling industry so Many of us models get scouted at 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, really young. We have bodies of a young teenage girl. We're usually all just growing tall. We're skinny. Our boobs and butts haven't grown in yet. And we're young and they put us on the top runways. And then that's over time become the standard. And then all of a sudden now I'm 24 years old. I definitely don't have the same body that I had when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, but for some reason, they still want those measurements from us. So I was, you know, the 24, 34, the perfect measurements then. Now at 24 years old, I am a woman now. I have grown into my body, but they still want me to have such unrealistic measurements. They want me to look exactly the same as I looked then. And it's crazy. It Mm -hmm. is so hard. And I think we all beat ourselves up about it so much. The industry is taking a good turn. It's adding in some diversity, but I still think there's a huge problem just because they're having plus size models come into our industry, which I love. And I'm so excited about 
it doesn't take away from the fact that they're still asking the rest of us to be like 24, 34 stick then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's no denying that the industry has changed a lot. There's so much more inclusivity and different body shapes, which is amazing. And it makes me super happy. But like you're saying, there's still so much pressure and so much criticism when you are working as a model. And body dysmorphia is just like a natural repercussion of working in the industry where your entire career revolves around the way you look. And you were taught from the get-go that you have to be a certain size to fit into a certain category. For example, I always heard that if your hips were over 37 inches, you were considered plus size, which is ridiculous first off. But what annoyed me so much was that I was once measured and they measured me at 36.5 inches on the hip. And my body looks great. In my opinion, the client was really happy and even said like, I had an amazing figure. But when she measured me, she was like, oh, you're a 36 and a half. You don't look that big. And because of that number, she didn't book me, even though I looked in perfect shape and she even said so. And that's when my fear of the tape measure started because like I became obsessed with making sure my hips stayed under 35 because she put in my head that anything more than that was unbookable. So if you don't think you can mentally cope with that sort of criticism and judgment around your body, then modeling isn't for you probably. And it's not worth the mental torment. So Luckily, I've kept a strong head during my career and never let body dysmorphia get the best of me, but that's not the same for everyone. And it's dangerous and a very slippery slope to go down. I'll be the first to admit, I definitely have body dysmorphia, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically like you have a hard time seeing what you actually look like. So like, Mm -hmm. for example, you know, when you're like trying to do like the perfect cat eye with your eyeliner and you just keep looking at it and working on it, adding a little more. And then all of a sudden you can't even really see what it looks like. It's completely slanted and anyone else looking at it would be like, it's off, but like you've been staring at it and focusing on it for so long. You can't even see how it looks. That's how body dysmorphia is. It's like you look in the mirror all the time and you're critiquing and you're trying to be a certain thing and see something where your whole mind gets jaded. So like sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel so bloated and huge. Like my boyfriend has been the first to say like, Kylie, you're so thin right now. It's just a very crazy thing that I wish I didn't have to deal with. And, you know, it definitely doesn't affect my life in like a ton of negative ways, which it can for many, many girls. And it definitely does. But I don't like that. I can't look at myself in the mirror and see myself exactly for what I look like. So yeah, that's a big, big thing. And if you don't want anything to do with that, I think that's something that you need to consider as you go into the modeling industry, because it's something that almost all of us struggle with, I would say. Well, how many times have you felt in the moment that you looked like really bloated or just like out of shape? And then you looked back at pictures of you from that time when you knew that you felt bad about your body and thought like, wow, I looked so good back then. My body was in perfect shape. But in that moment, you hated your body. It's Mm -hmm. only when you look back on it like a few months later, a few years later, you realize that that was all in your head. Like I look back at photos of me from like a few years ago, but I felt awful in my body. And I'm like, I looked so good then. I was like, what was my problem? And you just can't see yourself or how others see you. And it's definitely a big problem. 100%. I mean- the industry makes you extremely critical of yourself. And yes, we all get better and we all learn how to cope with it, but it's something that we all struggle with every day. Yeah. Well, the next thing I want to talk about is relevance because staying relevant in this industry can be extremely hard. You have to constantly be doing new editorials, new shows, building an Instagram following and posting all the time. The pressure is huge and there's so many new girls joining the industry every day and you can sometimes feel just like super lost and you have to be really passionate about it. And if you don't love it and you don't want to work at it every day, there's no point doing it because there's always another girl waiting to take your place. 
the industry is extremely saturated and nowadays you know we have influencers that we go up against we have actresses doing beauty campaigns now we have girls of all shapes colors sizes which is all amazing but it definitely means there's more girls so if you're not willing to work at it like Sophie said there's always someone else to book and our job I feel like we never really get to turn it off in the sense like we're always trying to like think about our next Instagram post or our next thing that we're showing off to like promote ourselves because we are our own brands that we have to promote to book jobs so it's it's very tough. There's new girls every single season. So to not get beat out, you've got to constantly be in your head thinking about how to stay relevant. So yeah, that's a tough one. And the industry is forever changing. So like you said, with the influencers now, like I just did a show from Milan Fashion Week and there was probably 40 girls walking the runway and half of them were influencers. And I was thinking, damn, so literally 20 of the models who were walking the show who were influencers would have been models who've been working at the career and trying so hard to book a runway show who have now just been replaced and it's it's tough because the market has just been completely taken over and now we're not only up against models we're up against everyone who has a social media platform totally so the next one which is a big one the pay is not steady so here's the thing when it comes to money and modeling first of all it takes forever to get paid and there's no like set thing where like you do a job and like two weeks later you get paid two months later there's no like set thing so I have literally got paid from jobs a year later Mm -hmm. you imagine imagine like working hard one day and not getting paid for that for a whole entire year and it's not the case all the time but it does take a while and with agencies i have found this they will hold on to your money as long as they can until i reach out to them and say hi do we have any checks that are ready to be processed have any of my clients paid etc they won't send me money they're not like hey kylie we've got you know 10 grand for you here ready to go from this job no mm mm they'll just mm-hmm. keep it until i say hello and then they're like oh yeah we've got this 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 and this and this i'm like well that's not cool And we obviously are independent contractors, meaning we just book jobs as they come. We don't have a steady thing. So some months you make a ton of money and some months you make next to no money. So it is definitely a tough way to look at things. You do not have steady income and you never know what the pay is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get told this when you start out and you can wait months and months. I had to literally wait two years to get paid from a shoot I did once. And I chased my agent up every few months, like, has this client paid yet? Have they paid? And they would just say like, no, we're still chasing. And what can you do? I mean, sometimes you don't even get paid at all. I had a super hard shoot in Australia. It was a 12 hour day in super high heels. I was exhausted. I had to pay the taxi fares there and back. And then a few months later, the brand went into administration. They told me I wasn't going to get paid for the shoot. And you know what? They used my fucking pictures anyway and put my face all over their storefront, all over their website, their Instagram, even though they told me I wasn't going to get paid for it. And so I wrote to them directly because I was so mad and I was like, take them all down. And thankfully they did, but I still never got paid and they still used my images. So that's just how it is sometimes. And you can't expect to do a shoot and get paid a few days later. It sucks. And you know, what's also really challenging about this industry is it's also super hard to find a mortgage because you have to have evidence of a stable income. And obviously in modeling, it's not stable whatsoever. One month you can make a lot of money the next month you can make zero. So it's a tricky situation. 
Yep. And we have no health care as models. Mm-hmm. We do not have insurance and also paying taxes as a model sucks. Any 1099s out there, people who are also contractors, you know how it is. We literally get paid all year. They give us our full check after they take agency fees. And then come April, you have to pay all your taxes at once. So if you didn't save money and you were just spending what you had in your account, you're going to owe thousands and thousands of dollars. And yeah, it's tough. You know, I worked at a steakhouse when I was in high school and they took my taxes out of my check. So whatever money I had left was the money I had to live on. Mm -hmm. It's not the case for modeling. I can't look at my bank account and think that's all the money I have because I know when April comes around, I have a shit ton of money to pay. (laughs) Super stressful. All right. The next thing we're going on to is social media pressures. Ugh. Oh, and yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we've chosen to pursue a career in the limelight, people will always share photos of you on Instagram, on Facebook or whatever. And this opens you up to a whole other world of judgment and trolls attacking you for no good reason. This really hurts sometimes and you have to be mentally strong to be able to cope with it. Some people can't and they refrain from being on social media to block it out. But if you want to stay relevant in this industry, then social media is such an important tool and you have to be active on there. So it's all about learning to just live with the trolls and the online hate. And I mean, I can take it, but a lot of people can't. So take that into consideration if you're ever thinking about taking a career in the limelight. I always say if I wasn't a model, I wouldn't have Instagram because what's Mm -hmm. sad for us is we can't just post what we want to post. We can't just like you know, show the things we want to show. Like I think most people in this world do. It's like, we're having to like maintain this image. Like I just want to post a picture of my dog on my Instagram feed, but like, that's not exactly fashion. That's not exactly keeping my brand looking expensive. Like I can't just like post this funny photo of my mom. Like, no, I've got Mm -hmm. to like have this beautiful, cool model aesthetic and it takes away from the fun. That's for sure. My whole Instagram would be Casper if I could. A hundred percent. It's like, Yet not like the most perfect photo of me. Like I'd love to show the shitty photos of myself too, but Same. no, I'm a model. I got to look amazing. I got to mm-hmm. post the best photo of me. It's like, oh, it's such a thing. And I wish we could fight it, but I've been told so many times by top people in the industry, unfortunately, it's never going away and it's always going to be around. So here we are. We've got to adjust and social media will be a big part of your life if you choose to take part in modeling. Mm-hmm. So the next one, agents. Agents are tough. Okay. So if you find an amazing agent, then hold on to that agent type because having a good agent is everything in the industry. And let me tell you, you can't ever get too comfortable because the thing is agents are always moving around between the different agencies. So finding the right agent is one thing. And finding the right agency is the other thing. So when you find yourself in a situation where it's great, hold on to it, be thankful for it and keep that relationship close. And when you're in a relationship with an agent, that's not so great run leave because I'm telling you, they are in charge of your career. So if they kind Mm. of just like you and like, they've got 20 other girls that they like way more, you got to get out of there. Yeah. I would say 95% of all the models I know have moved agency at least once. When you join an agency, it doesn't have to be a forever thing. If it's not working out with them and you feel like you're not getting the attention you deserve, then it's so much better to move. And usually the contract with agencies you join is for like three years, but usually they will allow you to move before the end of the three years, unless they're super mean agents. But another problem we face is like you were talking about agents leaving 
Because like you build a relationship and a bond with a specific agent who loves you and is always pushing for you. And then suddenly they announce they're either leaving the industry or moving agency. And it can be super impactful for your career. And a lot of the times models will follow their favorite agent to the same agency that they're moving to so that they can stick together. And that's also a very important thing to do because it's hard to find another agent that you have a strong connection with. So if you found one of those, then like she said, hold on to those. But it's also tough because when an agent leaves an agency, let's say Sophie is an agent at top model agency, let's say. Well, when Sophie decides she's going to leave, top model agency is going to do everything they can to make sure Sophie can't take any of the models there and none of the models follow Sophie. So it's like this big, sneaky, tough, hard thing that we shouldn't have to face, but we do. Yeah, there's a lot of inside drama going on. Mm hmm. Sorry to interrupt, but I have something pretty important to talk about. It's Sophie here, and I am just popping on to tell you about my routine for waking up when I didn't get a full eight hours of sleep the night before. We all know your girl loves her sleep, so I'm sure many of you guys can relate to this and will totally love my little morning hack. You know that feeling after a restless night of sleep when it seems like your alarm is going off three hours too early? The worst. You feel scatterbrained all day and you're not able to fully focus on anything because your brain fog is so thick. And then your anxiety starts to kick in because you have a long day ahead and you can't afford to be off your game. Well, this is when I reach for my Rise CBD capsules by Cured Nutrition. In the past, I would have just added a second shot of espresso to my morning coffee in the hopes of extra energy, but that only gives me extra caffeine jitters. But with Rise, I get a stimulant-free energy boost that banishes brain fog and gives me the focus and clarity I need to make it through the day from their functional mushrooms, cannabinoids, and adaptogenic blend. This product is a huge life hack, and I have a special discount code for the not-so-simple life listeners. If you use code SIMPLE at checkout, that's S-I-M-P-L-E, SIMPLE, you will receive a 10% off discount on your entire order. Purchase this product now and I promise you'll thank me later. Let's get back to the show. All right, next thing. Other models are not always genuine. So I'm sure you've heard the stereotype about how models are really bitchy and two-faced. I would say most of the time that's not true because some of my best friends are models and they're amazing people. But of course, there's some bad people in the industry and they can be bitchy. You have to be alert. You have to be cautious and don't let your guard down. You got to get to know people before you open up because there are some crazy girls that I've met who will try to sabotage your job or get super competitive. So it's just about being smart, being intuitive and selective with who you trust. Yeah. And it's a small industry. So no matter what your situation is, whether you really like someone or you really don't, you've got to kind of keep it cool because you'll definitely see them around. So I assume it's like any other job. You got to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. So the next thing, the rejection, the rejection in the modeling industry is constant. Mm -hmm. If you can't take rejection, I'm sorry, you should not be a model. I will say run the opposite direction because for the hills. Yeah, we definitely get way more no's than we get yeses, 100% all the time. And that's just something that we have had to learn to live with. So for example, we get these things called options, which is basically an email from our agent saying, hey, Kylie, Maybelline, let's just say Maybelline as an example. Maybelline has put you on option to shoot next Thursday for five grand, let's say. So that gets to your head. You're excited. Great. Mm -hmm. I love Maybelline. Five grand sounds great. Can't wait. Hope I book this job. I've worked with them before, et cetera. 
options you can never get excited about because when they option Kylie, they're also optioning probably five, six, seven, up to 20 other girls. They told all of their agents as well. So that's like the prime rejection that I had to get over early on because I would get excited about every option. I'd call my mom, I'd call my dad, I'd call my sister. And then meanwhile, most of those are no's, but Again, you just got to wait for the yeses. And when the yeses come, it's great. But we get more no's than yeses for sure. Yeah. And what's so annoying about options as well is that you can't make plans. Like if you have an option coming up in like a month's time, you now can't make plans until you know if the option's confirmed or not. And usually they don't confirm. And then like you haven't been able to make plans and you're not doing the job anyway. So that can be super annoying. But yeah, being rejected every day definitely takes its toll. There's not a single model in this industry who hasn't been told no or been turned down for a job at least once. And it can be hurtful. And especially if it's a job that you really wanted, it can kill your morale and it make you feel like giving up. But all it takes is for one job to confirm. So lift you right back up again and make you believe in yourself. So even if you get a hundred no's, that one yes makes up for it. And that's why I still do what I do today. Mm-hmm. All righty. Number nine is an important one because you have to realize this before you go into modeling because it is expensive to maintain an image. I never knew just how expensive it is just to look good. Like you have to constantly color your hair, keep it trimmed and healthy. You have to be immaculately dressed at all times, wear designer clothes and bags. You want to look expensive. You have to invest in high quality skincare and facials, hire personal trainers, join gyms, etc. There's just so much that goes into looking good and taking care of your face and body and your hair. But if you want to make money based on how you look, you have to invest into yourself. And even things like laser hair removal, I don't think anyone's prepared for just how exposed you are on a daily basis. Like during fashion week, especially you'll be doing fittings in a room full of people and they will be pulling pieces of clothing off you, like lifting up your skirt, removing your shirt or whatever in front of everyone. Like I just did a show in Milan and all the male models and all the girl models in the same room getting changed. So like everyone was just naked in the same room. I was like, this is so uncomfortable, but like mm-hmm. you will literally have to be prepared to be like fully nude in front of like 10 pairs of eyes on you and nothing but a nude thong. And yeah, so you got to be super taken care of down there because I, I don't think clients are a big fan of the bush. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope you guys aren't listening to this like, oh, wow, you have to get facials and wear designer clothes and all that. Like it's expensive guys. Like it is so pricey to do this. And it's not like something that seems fun anymore because it's it's a chore Mm -hmm. unfortunately like it is a chore and it is an essential part of our job to look our best 24 7 the days that you roll up to a casting and didn't really dress nice and didn't really like do your skincare the night before you're probably not getting that job. You have to like always be on it. And it's tough. It's like, I come back from the holidays and I ate my face off for two weeks straight. And it's like, now I have this stress that I don't look my best and Mm -hmm. I've got to go pay for the personal trainer. I've got to go do a lymphatic drainage massage. I've got to, you know, go do all of these things to try and get myself back to this perfect shape before I start seeing big clients again. So it's expensive and it's constant. It's, it's, part of the job even just eating clean is expensive like I want to eat organic and I want to eat healthy food and that has a price on it like fast food and shitty food is always so much cheaper but you can't eat like that if you want to be a model yep and I'll never get that that makes no sense to me (laughs) they want us to be healthy (laughs) anyways so the next one this one's huge especially for beginner models listening you are never taught how to model <laughs> mm-hmm. point blank. You're just not taught. You book your first shoot and your agent sends you and that's it. You show up as a newbie and have no idea what to do. And they expect you to know what to do. 
sometimes when it comes to runway, like your agents will kind of be like, okay, like fix this, move your hands a little more, walk a little faster. You'll get like a little critique there with runway, but most of the time you have no idea what to do and you're just winging it. Even me, six years in, I'll show up to a shoot one day and they're like, we want this shoot to be super contemporary, almost like your ballet dancing, arms flailing, weird bending, leg up. Like we want this super like unique. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I've that. never done a shoot like this. And so I'm like trying to like dance and look good and like figure it out. It's like, we're not taught this. There's not a course. There's not a class. There's nothing that yeah. teaches you really what to do. So that that's a huge one that people probably don't know about. You just kind of have to figure it out as you go along. If I think back to how I used to pose at the very beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so awkward and stiff, but like, how are you supposed to know? You learn by watching other models and reflecting back on your work and seeing what looks good and what doesn't. And you also get feedback from your agents and from clients, which helps. But some girls, they go to classes to like practice their walk, which can be kind of helpful. I luckily always had a pretty good walk. I think you either naturally do or you don't, but there are ways to learn and improve. So not all hope is lost there. But yeah, watching YouTube videos or whatever of models posing or walking can be great tools to use to learn from. And maybe I have a good walk from watching the VS show when I was like 11. 11 year old me was like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, it's just like anything. Some things you're better at than others. Some girls kill it on the runway and they're stiff on set. I don't know. It's just, it's tough. You got to figure it out on your own. All right. Number 11 is how long the days on set are and how unglamorous they can be. Something Mm. that can really suck is you never know how long your day is actually going to be. It's not like a normal day job where you get given your hours like nine to five and then you leave dead on five. So you get a cool time, sometimes extremely early to catch the morning light. And you basically keep shooting until the client decides that they have the shot or they've captured all the looks, which can sometimes go on way into the night. And of course you can say like, no, I'm leaving at a sudden time. And if yeah, you want I to just leave. say, yeah. dirt out. I'm like, uh-uh, I was paid till five. Bye. <laughs> Bye. It depends on what the job is. You know what? You can say like, if you want me to stay longer, I want overtime, but I don't really do that because I don't want to get a bad name and I want the client to rebook me. So if you want them to speak highly of you and say you're amazing to work with, sometimes you just have to stick with it and do these long days, which can be exhausting. Yeah. No, for like paid jobs, usually I'm just like, I'm so sorry. I was booked until five. I I have something I need to be at. I need to go. But for example, editorial shoots, which are the shoots that you guys see in the magazines, typically those are not paid. And because they're not paid, those are the days that go on really long because you don't have a set time. So the days are long and not so glamorous you guys think getting six makeup looks done in one day for one shoot sounds amazing and fun and cool but it's not (laughs) your face is raw at the end of the day irritated like you're so tired of sitting in a chair your shoulders are sore like your feet days are really long your feet hurt sometimes you don't get lunch till like 3 p.m you show up on set at 8 a.m and like they just are like oh two o'clock like we should order lunch so it's (laughs) like the days are really long guys so That's another thing that people don't really take into consideration when they think about models. They just think it's like this cool, glamorous movie thing when you get on set, but it's not. It's our work. It's our job. Yeah. I remember one time doing fittings, which by the way, sucked. Fittings are the worst and it's something I always turn down now. It is when you are working for a designer and they are basically using you as a mannequin to pin together clothes and figure out measurements and basically be part of the design process. And it's brutal. You have to stand there completely still, oftentimes in painful heels and be a literal mannequin for hours. And it's definitely the crappiest side of modeling. It's not the fun, glamorous side you see online or in the movies. It's a way just to make some money if you need it. So most girls I know start off doing fittings and I used to always 
come close to fainting because believe it or not standing upright and holding a pose for several hours while someone pins materials onto you is by no means easy anyway I was remembering this one time doing fittings and the day started at 8 a.m and I left at 11 p.m it was so bad and I swore I was going to quit modeling but luckily things changed since then but be prepared to be asked to do these kind of jobs when you first start out yep so the next one we do some work for free (laughs) As crazy as that sounds, it's true. So to build your book, sometimes your portfolio, you have to do these shoots called test shoots. Those are for free. I just kind of mentioned editorials when you're like in the magazines, typically those are for free fittings. Like Sophie just mentioned, you book a show, you're going to walk a show for this designer. Well, you had to go to a casting first. That's a fit to confirm though. Different to the fittings I was just talking about, but fit to confirm is a free, yeah. Right. So then you go to a fitting. They keep you for an hour or so to figure out which look you're wearing for the show. That's free. That took me three hours this fashion week. Run, Yeah. Runways are really low pay. So we do a lot of things for low pay because it's necessary and it's part of the job. Yeah. This completely confused me when I started out. I would get a booking emailed to me for a shoot the next day. I'd be super happy and excited, but I kept noticing that there was no rate listed. And I would ask my agent, like, how much is the rate for the shoot? And so many times they would tell me there is no rate. It's an editorial. And I was so confused. Like I am traveling all the way to work at 8 a.m. to do a full day of work for nothing. And that unfortunately mm-hmm. is the case when it comes to magazine editorials. They very, very rarely pay for the shoot because it's seen as something that's beneficial to the model because we can use those pictures in our portfolio. So don't be surprised to be paid nothing for some shoots. And there's a lot of wasted time and it can be very frustrating. All right. The next one, which not many people know about, I feel like, but promoter apartments and model apartments. So something I never had to do, thank God, but a lot of girls do because modeling is expensive. Living in a big city like New York is expensive. So girls have to find ways to navigate this. And one of those ways is to stay in model apartments or promoter apartments. And I have heard many horror stories from girls when it comes to model apartments. And one girl in New York was telling me that she lives in a model apartment that costs her $3,000 a month. And she shares a bedroom with eight other girls and half of them don't speak the same language as her. She said the place was infested with with rats and they had one bathroom between all of them. And she said it was hell. And I don't know who the hell was charging her three grand because that's just ridiculous. But these girls come to New York not knowing any better and are taken advantage of. So usually model apartments are supposed to be a lot cheaper because of the terrible conditions. But this girl clearly got ripped off. Yeah, because think you move from, for many girls, a small town, doesn't matter. I was working. I was working at Outback Steakhouse. How much money could I have saved up? You move to the city. Rent costs so much money. You haven't made any money with your agency yet. And so you've got to live where wherever you can. And so for a lot of girls, yeah, it's promoter apartments, which is sad. They can live there for free if they go clubbing five nights a week then there's model apartments where the modeling agencies sometimes are making money like that girl you said three thousand dollars but there's eight girls in that room how much did that apartment actually cost like they're pocketing money so it's tough it's very tough at the beginning i think for almost any girl Mm -hmm. because you don't make money at the beginning it's it's just part of it and how it is i was going to college so luckily i got to stay in the dorms and didn't have as much pressure to pay this crazy rent but that's a really really hard part that people aren't aware of so the next one we have to kind of 
be adaptable when it comes to booking jobs because different clients want different things. And it takes many years to kind of figure that out. But when I get a casting for a certain client, I'm like, okay, I know they like the cool street style girl. So I got to go in there and be cool and say like, Hey, what's up? How's it going? And then I know the next client, they want like a super chic girly girl. So I walk in there. I'm like, Hey, how are you? It's so nice to see you. It's like such (laughs) a thing. You have to learn how to adapt. They want a sexy girl here. They want like a lazy girl here. Like, and I had an agent tell me once, I want you to go in there and act like a total bitch. And I was like, what? That's so not my personality. She's like, trust me, just act like a bitch. I'm like, okay. So that's an unspoken thing in the fashion industry that kind of sucks because you kind of feel like you're having this identity crisis. Sometimes it's fine, but like, you know, when I have to like buy this cool girl and I'm like just this bubbly little warm girl, usually it like feels odd sometimes. It's kind of hard to be yourself in this industry, but there's so many different clients with different tastes and different styles. So you have to constantly be able to adapt and be versatile with your look if you want to book a variety of jobs. So for example, if I get sent a casting, I will always do my research on who the client is before I go so that I can dress accordingly. If I see that the client likes the more edgy, cool girl look, then I will dress more like that girl and make myself look a bit more masculine in the way I dress but whereas if the client is more commercial and a bit more feminine then I might give my hair like a little bit more of a styled look add a tad more makeup and dress a little bit more sexy and girly so it's just all about knowing who the client is you're going to see and being able to change your style depending on who that client is so like I said this also just makes it super hard to find your own individual style because sometimes the style and the trend that you've chosen for yourself to show your individuality doesn't work for a specific client you're going to see so that can be so confusing at times totally All right. This one is a very important thing to talk about and something that has definitely come to light more in recent days. So there's no denying that there are a lot of dangerous and dodgy people in the fashion industry. And I think in recent times, this is being much more addressed with things like the Me Too movement and pages like, you know, Diet Prada, they've been outing potential predators. So this is really good news and it's making it a lot safer for young models entering the industry. I mean, I've definitely met my fair share of dodgy characters. There's been some pretty scary situations and you always have to be on your toes and be super careful and never let yourself be too vulnerable. But do you remember any particular moments where you thought like, shit, I am feeling so uncomfortable. I need to get out of here. I mean, yes and no. I have always treated modeling as a business and have tried to not let business and play go together. So when I go to a shoot, I make it very clear that I'm there to do the job. You know, I've been offered like alcohol on shoots. Mm -hmm. I've been offered to like hang and party after and like all of this. And like, I just always like have my guard up. I'm always super business. And I think that has saved me from like some potentially dangerous situations because I have shot with people that have been exposed, meaning I've done a shoot and everything went fine only for like six months later for me to find out like this photographer was a total predator and like was taking advantage of girls. So I think it's very important to treat modeling as a business and go in there professional and try not to like get wrapped into the things that could get you in trouble because I've heard of models getting high with photographers and stuff and one thing leading to the other and it's like just because they were trying it's a big photographer and just because you know they had trust for this photographer because they've seen that guy shoot really big models before Mm -hmm. so like he must he must be trusting yeah no it's not the case you have to just go in there treat it like a business and get out of there and always have your guard up 
a moment I remember very clearly was being at a test shoot. I was in this hotel room the photographer had rented and I was like 17 or 18. It was just the two of us. And the photographer told me that he wanted to give me a drink to loosen me up because I seemed shy and he said it would bring out my sexy side. And I said, no, thank you. But he just like was so insistent and started pouring two glasses of vodka and ice. And I was like, I know this is not normal because I had done many shoots previously and no one had ever tried to give me alcohol on set. I was like, this is so unprofessional. But when he had finished pouring the drinks, which he did in such a secretive way, I decided like the smart thing to do was to reach for the drink that was closest to him and that he had poured for himself because I knew that if any of them were going to be spiked or like tampered with, it wasn't going to be the one that he had reached for. But as I reached out to get that drink, he pushed my hand back and forced me to take the other one. And that's when my alarm bells went off. I was like, I should oh not God. touch this drink. And he kept pushing every 10 minutes like, come on, you haven't touched your drink. Like take a sip. And so I was like, I need the bathroom. I went to the bathroom and I poured that drink down the toilet. I was like, so desperate for this shoot to end so I pretended I had an urgent casting pop-up and I had to leave but that wasn't even my work experience to be honest I've had way worse but this one was still pretty sketchy and just shows you like you can be put in like really weird situations sometimes yep you always have to be careful so I want to finish it up with this one modeling does not last forever sure there are some models like Naomi Campbell who have made it into their 40s and I don't know if she's 50 but there's models in their 50s 60s 70s even some of them make it that long but the majority of us and the reality is that we all have to accept that this career is not a forever career and that's a little stressful because in normal jobs You start at an entry-level position and you just keep working your way up and you can keep staying in that field if you want to, if you like it. Modeling, no matter how much you love it, I have a feeling someday I'll be kicked out of this industry. And that's Mm -hmm. really tough. We're constantly having to think about what's next and what else we can do outside of modeling, which I think is a common struggle. I think like people deal with this in college. They're thinking about what am I going to do? How am I going to get by? How am I going to make myself successful but that's something that as models we all struggle with all the time and so that's another thing if you get started in modeling i think it's very important to start off with pursuing a side hustle as well so when our modeling career is over one day you have something else to support you and keep you going yeah it's definitely a stressful thing knowing that the career you are building is not a forever thing and that it's relatively short-lived like you are told from the beginning to always be thinking about what you're going to do after modeling and to come up with a plan b but my advice for anyone thinking about modeling is to finish school and always keep working on any projects or career paths that you are passionate about because modeling is not stable it is unlikely to support you in your future so always have a backup plan never put all of your eggs in one basket and pursue other passions while you are modeling hundred percent. Well, we hope that this episode has been informative and could help some of you who are just beginning in the industry or can give those of you who aren't in our industry an idea of the struggles that we deal with. Because again, on social media, I think we all look around and we see everyone's life is so glamorous and great. But remember, guys, that's a highlight reel. And these are the realities that we deal with as models. Yep. It's very complicated, but a lot of fun. So I hope this gave you some sort of insights and had some educational benefits as well. But we are getting into our Q&A section, where we are going to answer two questions. And we specifically saved these two from a while back because we knew we're going to be doing a modeling based episode. So these ones are pretty perfect. So number one is, how did you know your agency was the one? I think when you know, 
you know, it's all about a feeling. When you feel like you meet agents who are excited about you and you get those butterflies where you're excited, that's the one. Mm -hmm. Don't go for the one that your gut's not sending you towards. It's very important to just trust your instincts, be open and honest about who you are and what you're looking for. Because if you go in there and you say yes to things that you wish you didn't say yes to, like, oh yeah, I definitely want to do that. And you don't, you're not setting yourself up for success. So when you meet your agency, be yourself and just trust your instincts. That's what I would say. Yeah. And you'll pick up on the energy. If the energy's off and they don't seem like super excited or like friendly towards you, then I wouldn't go for it because like we said, relationships are so important. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to go in there feeling like they love you and feeling like there is excitement that otherwise you're just going to waste your time and be with someone who hasn't got your best interest at heart. So there's that. Yeah. And even if it's the top, top, top agency that you've ever met and they're just kind of like, yeah, all right, like we'll sign her. Mm -hmm. But then there's an agency that's maybe not as big as that. And they're like head over heels in love with you. I recommend going with that one. Yeah, me too. All right. Number two, is it better to sign with a mother agency before signing to a big agency? Yeah, this one's complicated because like I didn't even know what a mother agent was when I first started. I didn't even realize I had a mother agent. But basically a mother agent is one particular agent who acts more like your manager in a way. Yeah. And they can be very helpful if you have a good relationship with them and they don't have a lot of other girls on their radar. So like they can give you a lot of attention. You can put everything through them and like any worries or problems you have, you can contact your mother agent and say like, this happened, can you speak to this agency and kind of just sort things out for you in a way. So it is better sometimes to have a mother agent, yeah. Yeah, they can be the bad guy for you. So if your agent's making Mm -hmm. you upset, you can tell your mother agency, like, can you please fix this for me? So then you're not the one like stepping on anyone's toes. And also, if you decide to change agencies, you can have your mother agency help you with that. I don't have a mother agency. So when I switched from elite to women, it was tough. I had to do it by myself. I had to reach out to agents all on my own. And I didn't have somebody saying, I think this is your best bet. Don't do this don't sign this. Like I had to figure it all out on my own, which is hard, but it could be a good thing because when I sign to my agency, they know they get to keep 20% of all of my earnings. Whereas if you have a mother agency, they get 10% and then your bit, your other agencies get 10%. So they're splitting the commission off you. So it's pros and cons. If you are someone who doesn't like to speak up and do things on your own, I recommend definitely getting a mother agency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can kind of put off the big agencies if you do have mother agency, because obviously they get half the commission they would, whereas if you didn't have one. So there's always that to take into consideration as well. But also if you have no connections at all, you should have a mother agency because now that I've been doing this all these years, I was able to reach out to agencies on my own. But if I was 17 year old Kylie who just moved to New York, I would need a mother agency to place me because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know where to go or who to talk to. All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We love having you guys. We love our community. And if you want to support the show, the best way you can do that is by leaving us a rating or review on Apple podcasts. And you guys know where to find us on Instagram. We are on there at the Not So Simple Life podcast. You can send in any of the Q&A questions on there and we will be happy to answer them right here on the show. But until then, we will see you guys with our new episode coming out in a couple of weeks time.